We have on the show today one of the greatest insiders for the Golden Gophers football team, and you're not going to want to miss what he has to say on the outlook for this season. Locked on Golden Gophers, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Golden Gophers Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is host Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former football video coordinator and a recruiting assistant, now here with the Lockdown Golden Gophers Podcast, and I absolutely love it. Today, we're jumping in with none other than the Gophers insider himself, Ryan Burns, and we're going to jump right into it right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thank you again for tuning into the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, like I said, we have a guest on the podcast, and if you follow the show, you already follow this man, and if you don't, you're making an absolute mistake, so be sure to check him out at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. We have none other than Gopher Insider Ryan Burns with us on the show He's a Minnesota publisher with the 247 Sports. He's a host of the Gopher Radio and a Pair and a Spare podcast. And he's legitimately a Heisman Trophy voter. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ryan. Anytime I can come on, talk Gophers and whatever else you want me to talk about, I'm always going to jump the opportunity. So I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to have to get you back on. You just opened the floor right there. So that's a dangerous (laughs) thing right there. But we're going to jump right in right away, and we're going to talk about the Gophers football program and what we can kind of look forward to this next season. And a lot of our listeners, I'd reached out and kind of asked what people wanted to hear from you, what we should be discussing. And the first thing that was on their mind is where do the Gophers stand in the Big Ten West? And also, do you think that the Big Ten West gets too little of credit? So what are your thoughts in those areas? Yeah, that's a good, there's a couple of good questions. I think that obviously the Big Ten East is very top heavy with Ohio State and Michigan. And even to a lesser extent, Michigan State and Penn State have had good years in recent in recent times. But I think you look at, I think it's either the last three or five years. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the Big Ten East is up on the West by just one game in the crossover series. So, Ian, and that's with obviously with Ohio State and Michigan probably going two and one or three and zero every year. So obviously Maryland isn't uh, the greatest team, even though it's seemingly Minnesota just decided or the Big Ten did that of all the teams in the Big Ten, it was going to be Maryland that Minnesota just got five straight years in a crossover. Which I don't know who decided that. It's an interesting <laughs> strategy, but uh, I'm just glad Maryland's not on the schedule this year. But I think the West probably doesn't get enough credit because I obviously think that there are two really good football leagues in the power five right now. It's the big 10 and the sec peace and love to the big 12 and the pac 12 and the ACC. But I think those two are clearly in a tier above themselves. And they're obviously going to get paid as such when the new media deals come out. But I think the West is going to be pretty interesting this fall. And that's where I saw today on the Twitter machine that, um, you know, one of the betting services online released their big 10 odds and Minnesota was fifth in the West. And I was just like, in what world? I, I just don't understand I'm it. Saying. I, I don't understand it because two of the last three years, we've come down to the last game of the season where 
Minnesota had a legitimate chance. And you go back to 2019 when College Game Day was here, they had a chance at home to beat Wisconsin if they would have won it, gone to the uh, Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis, obviously didn't go their way, or even last year. For all the trials and tribulations of the whole Bowling Green fiasco and the Illinois disappointment, if they just have, in the words of the Husker fans, the best three-win team to ever grace the earth, if they have the breath <laughs> to hold on to a two-score lead at home in the fourth quarter against Iowa, Minnesota ends up in Indianapolis last year, and we're all just sitting here like, after all that. So I look at what Minnesota's got, and I look at the kind of the rest of the West here, and I just don't understand kind of where or how Minnesota's fifth. Now, again, I know some of it is Vegas, so it's where the money's coming in. But to me, if I had to go with what I think the West is like right now, I think I would have Minnesota and Wisconsin in a tier. I think in a tier below them, it's Iowa. and a tier below them, it's Purdue. And then a tier below them, it's Nebraska. Um, I'm yeah, skeptical yeah, I mean, that – go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think I'm right there with you. I mean – Iowa took a lot of losses this, over this offseason. And mm -hmm. if you look at the schedule as well, I mean, Iowa has to take on both uh, Ohio State and Michigan this year, I believe. Yep. And then Wisconsin's got one of them as well. We don't have either of them on our schedule, and you'd think that would play to our favor a little bit. But it doesn't look like it, at least with those odds that dropped today. Well, look, like I get it. Iowa just won 10 games last year with one of the worst offenses that have ever graced my eyes. It looked like something from the seventies <laughs> and they returned Spencer Petrus, they return. And then obviously Graham Mertz is back for Wisconsin. And I mean, we just go down the rabbit hole of the quarterbacks in the big 10 West. And that's where you look at, you know, expected points added, which is something for an advanced statistic. I look at a lot. For quarterbacks and that's where even with the up and down nature of tanner morgan's 2021 season he ranked 57th out of 130 fbs quarterbacks so he was slightly above average contrary to what many many gopher fans think i mean he's an average <laughs> college quarterback well in comparison graham mertz the wisconsin quarterback and spencer petrus the iowa quarterback they were number 121 and number 122 they were bottom Oof. 10 quarterbacks in college football now could they have a chance to get better absolutely but I just don't see it with Iowa this year. And I said it last year, and I, and I got egg in my face, and so be it. But, I mean, that offense is dreadful. You mentioned that their schedule. You got Ohio State and Michigan on it. They have to come up to the Twin Cities to play on senior day at Huntington Bank Stadium. And you lose Tyler Linderbaum. You lose Tyler Goodson. And I'm just skeptical that this isn't one of those 7-8 win team Iowa or for Iowa. And – uh, I think if there's an interesting team that maybe people aren't talking about enough, it's probably Purdue because we mentioned how difficult the Iowa schedule is. Well, Purdue, they don't get Ohio State. They don't get Michigan. I don't believe they have um, – uh, I believe they don't have Michigan State, and they start off the year with Penn State, and then it's just a cakewalk for them. Essentially, they get Rutgers <laughs> on their schedule. They have the best quarterback in the West in Aiden O'Connell, but – it's, I think it's an interesting year in the West. Like, I don't think it's a clear, distinct one and two of Wisconsin and Iowa. I really don't. And so that's where in a couple months when we get closer to the season and, uh, you know, all the preseason polls come out for whatever the Big Ten West is going to look like, I just don't understand why people don't think for a team that Minnesota's won 20 games in their last two legitimate seasons of football that weren't COVID-restricted, uh, 
why people aren't talking more about Minnesota in the West. It just uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me because they don't have Ohio State and Michigan and amongst other things on that schedule. I'm right there with you. And when you brought up that statistic about Tanner, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know that part, mm-hmm. but I feel like with Tanner who oh, in Gopher fans, it's always hit or miss. I feel like they're entering what we see in like the NBA and things where they're, they're sick of the same old, same old. You even see it in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes and people are getting on mm-hmm. his case now. So it's kind of that, that fatigue of the the same. So I, I get what they're Gopher fans, how we're acting, but at the same time, it could be worse. It could be much worse. So yeah, yeah, I get like this is like a big pro sports market. Obviously, the Vikings are king in town, and there's so many people that watch a ton of football on Sundays. And then when they're trying to get their you know precursor on Saturday, it's a lot different in the college game. I'm not trying to tell anybody that Tanner Morgan is the next uh, you know Johnny Manziel or, or an NFL quarterback of any kind, but right. if he can just become a consistently above average quarterback, which the last time we saw him with Kirk Shiraki, he certainly was. I mean, this is a chance to be a, a pretty legitimately good team for uh, Gopher fans this fall. For sure. All right. One last question in that kind of, at least looking at the record of the Gophers next year, which game do you think on the schedule do you see being the most critical for the Gophers entering this next season? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would say the first two of the Big Ten schedule and the last two of the Big Ten schedule, because you come out of the non-conference, you have the fighting Jerry Kills of New Mexico State coming back into town. Western Illinois should be a cakewalk. And then you get the Mike Sanford revenge tour as he comes back into Huntington Bank Stadium after being fired last fall. He's obviously the offensive coordinator now at Colorado. But you have two really interesting games to kind of end September and kick off. October and you have to travel to East Lansing and that was obviously a very good team for Mel Tucker and Michigan State last fall Uh, you also kind of have the revenge narrative of Jay Johnson was the offensive coordinator at Minnesota under Tracy Clays for that season back in 16 or 17 so and it's going to be a good barometer kind of game for Minnesota where we've seen traditionally they, they have started slower than many fans would want in the Fleck era I mean, Bowling Green last year, a prime example. But you're going to have to travel to East Lansing, a place where Minnesota hasn't had a ton of success, um, certainly in the time I've been covering them. And then you come back home and face a Purdue team where, again, I think this is a shot to be a pretty a pretty legitimate Purdue team where they could be you know, eight wins, nine wins maybe with how easy that schedule is. But it's no, no secret as well that Jeff Brom – has just never kind of figured out how to consistently beat P.J. Fleck. And that's who were even the game last year. Now, again, that game in West Lafayette was played in a monsoon. But those are two huge games for Minnesota to kind of kick off Big Ten play. And then, well, ultimately what it's going to you know decide is those final two games where is this finally the year where P.J. Fleck and his staff can get out of their own heads and just beat Iowa? Because obviously everyone listening to this knows – their own five against Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. I've never seen a team. I was at that game in uh, Iowa City last year where you have 40 minutes time of possession. You win the total yards battle by 140, and you still somehow lost the game. And it was just, just insane. It was insane. But it seemingly that's what happens when Minnesota plays Iowa is they get two in their own head. And, again, I look at this Iowa team. The week before Iowa comes to Minnesota, they have to play Wisconsin. Minnesota gets them at home. 
And I just don't think it's a legitimately good offense if Spencer Peaches is the one throwing the football around. And then obviously to end the season, you have to travel to Madison. Minnesota's won two of the last four, should have been three of the last four. But that overtime debacle that we saw in 2020 there, last time Minnesota was at Camp Randall. So I think those four games, I know you want to win, but I think it's interesting to see how they kind of kick off Big Ten play because then you get into the meat of the schedule of Big Ten play where you're playing the Northwesterns and the, and the Illinois and the other crossover mm-hmm. games. Uh, but I think those two to start will kind of give you a, kind of a gist where if Minnesota can just go one and one in those games, I think you're looking at a team that should be competing in the West in both one and one against Michigan State and Purdue. If you go two and oh, they're fantastic. Obviously, the same thing goes with uh, Wisconsin and Iowa, but you have to be able to at least split those two games. Yeah, I feel you. I personally, I think I'm right there with you on all of those. And I think for me, if I had to just had to choose one, I'd be on that East Lansing game playing Michigan State, because I feel like if you if you head into Big Ten play, at least dom if you can dominate that sets the tone but if you can get a win in east lansing and kick off big 10 play it could really vault the confidence of the team and how mm-hmm. we're looking as we continue to barrel into the big 10 schedule but i'm right there with you now we're going to transition away from the schedule a little bit and we're going to talk about recruiting next sure now Gophers fans are stoked with how things have been going so far. I mean, we have a ton of hometown talent staying here in the States thus far. And one thing that I love is that the guys that have recently committed, like Greg Johnson, like Martin Owusu, they're seemingly being great advocates for other people in this class. And Mm so we've got Jackson Howard, we've got Alanius Davis, who we're hoping we can land here at, at Minnesota as well. But outside of those guys, because those are guys I feel like a lot of the fans are hearing about consistently, outside Mm -hmm. of those two, who are some of the other 2023 recruits that fans should be keeping their eye on for the Gophers? Yeah, I mean, you look at where the, the, as we currently sit here in time, in second week of May, I think Minnesota's got a top 20 recruiting class right now. I think they're number 17 in the 24-7 sports ranks, those specific ones. Obviously, that'll ebb and flow quite a bit here. Uh, before National Signing Day, but you are landing a lot of these in-state kids where you look at the two prior Lake kids and Martin Owusu and Greg Johnson. I just saw them work out here a couple weeks ago, and you know both of them, I think we have Greg as the number three player in the state as a high three-star, and then Martin Owusu had picked up six, seven, eight uh, power five offers in the last couple weeks, and they both get their offer from Minnesota, and they both commit immediately. I mean, that's what <laughs> If, I mean, you, if you're the gopher staff, that's how you immediately want it to go. Now, it's obviously right. going to play itself out with Jackson Howard and Alinius Davis, but uh, I would say both of them are going to be back on campus for official visits probably that weekend of June 10th. And when you look at some other names to kind of watch, I think for people who uh, really want to do some star watching, there's one kid by the name of Marquise Williams. Uh, he's a four-star running back from Pennsylvania, someone that Minnesota has – offered someone that is obviously a four-star player sounds like he's going to be here in june for an official visit and i think you've seen how you can never have enough talent in a specific room especially in this day and age of the transfer portal and the nil and so i think kenny burns the running back coach has obviously done a really good job there you look at a four-star from illinois by the name of damon walters a safety sounds like he's going to be back on campus for his third visit and as many months for an official visit here in june 
you know, there's going to be other names that continue to pop up as well. I mean, there's one receiver by the name of Tamarcus Cooley who has offers from places like Oklahoma, Florida, and they're legitimately committable offers. And he's a receiver. He's going to be coming here on an official visit in June as well. And so that's where I can tell you that second week, second weekend and third weekend of June, when all the official visits kind of happen for PJ Fleck, I mean, it's it's going to be popping on campus with a bunch of kids. And that's traditionally where uh, Fleck usually gets, you know, he's going to be in the teens, if not high teens, by probably the end of June. So it's going to start to pick up here in just the next month. Awesome. I mean, I know that people listening right now broke out the notebooks there, started writing all those names down, and we'll be sure to look at them. So thank you for that. But you mentioned the NIL, and we had a question from a couple of listeners that, what are your thoughts when it comes to NIL collectives and where we are at as Minnesota in relative to other Big Ten teams and how they might be handling collectives. Are we behind the bar right now? Is this something that the team likely needs to look more into? Or what are your thoughts in that subject? Well, it's uh, I think if you're comparing a Minnesota NIL collective to, say, Ohio State, I mean, you're not even in the same galaxy. And of course, <laughs> it just kind of, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. But I know that there's a couple of different NIL collectives for Minnesota trying to get their footing. And, you know, from talking with some people with both of those, I mean, I'm hopeful that maybe Minnesota can get something up here, hopefully before the end of the year, if not sooner, which would obviously be a really good thing. But I mean, it's wild to, to look at some of the deals that have happened where you look at the, the reigning Bolitnikoff winner from Pitt and mm -hmm. he's you know there's reports of potentially millions of dollars being thrown his way or in, even if you look here just with the gophers i mean bucky irving uh you know the final three schools that end up being in contention for him were oregon usc and tennessee uh i can assure you he got a healthy six-figure deal from oregon now i'm not going to really kind of get into the logistics of that but like if you can go get six figures and you know, obviously Minnesota can't um, isn't in a spot with their collective right now to potentially offer you that. And you don't want to wait behind Mo and you don't want to wait behind Trey Potts. And there's some All other right. things going on in Irving's life. But I mean, if you can go get, you know, six figures easily at either any of those schools, even if you are the third or the fourth string, potentially, I think you and I would both agree for a kid who is 18, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. I'm going to go get six figures. And so oh, I'm I know they're trying to get some legislation into it and, you know, we'll see, see if anything happens with that. I wouldn't count on it. I think there's some lawyers just trying to get some billable hours on their, uh, <laughs> make sure that they get paid too in this whole thing. So again, I know some people are kind of overreacting to it because we're in the early stages of it and it is essentially right. a wild west out there. But I think as more time passes and as more and more schools like Minnesota get their NIL collective going and whatnot, I think it'll kind of calm down and everybody won't be thinking, well, I don't like college sports again because the kids are getting paid. Like <laughs> that's where I think it's funny because like the new media deal that's going to be coming out for the Big Ten, like mm. Minnesota's going to go from making 40, 45 million in, in revenue from media to potentially 90 to 100 million. And Jeez. you're thinking to yourself, well, it's doubling in size primarily because of football and men's basketball. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe these kids – I'm I'm 100% okay with these kids getting paid a little bit or getting paid as whatever market value kind of dictates. So I'm hopeful that for a school like Minnesota, 
Um, you know, they're trying to get some things going in the NIL. There is some things here and there, but when we're talking six figure deals, it ain't really happening here in Minnesota yet. Right. And I mean, there's the potential if we can find the right connections, like once a collective gets off the ground, gets going, we have some major fortune 500 companies here. So if you can get the right type of connections and what growing, maybe, maybe further, further down the line, we can at least get competitive. But like you said, those six figure deals aren't happening anytime soon. So it's not something to really count on, but I really like what you stressed as, as well at 21 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old, heck, at right now in my late twenties, if you ask me, will I yeah. sign a six figure deal? Sign me up. Like where, where do I sign? So you can't really blame them if the opportunity is presenting itself. No doubt. All right. No doubt at all. One last, one last question when it comes to kind of building the program and whatnot, this one I thought was a little bit, a kind of a funner question is, do you notice any similarities in the building styles that we've seen from PJ Fleck in his beginning stages and now how we see that program is building up and what we are seeing from Ben Johnson on the basketball sides of things and how he is building any similarities or things that are encouraging to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, you look at PJ's row the boat culture thing, and I think that's probably like the number one question I get from whether it's local or whether it's Sirius XM or national radio is, you know, is PJ authentic and is that row the boat thing authentic? And what I would tell you and your listeners is I've had countless interactions with PJ Fleck over the six years he's been here and whether the camera's been on or off, whether it's in a press conference, whether it's in his office, whether it's at a camp, he's the same way he is each and every day. It's not just one Red Bull, it's seven Red Bulls all the damn time. <laughs> and, it, and again, I get it. It's off-putting to some people because within meeting him, within 15 seconds of meeting him, you're either going to love that energy or you're going to hate that energy. And there is no really gray area, which is a good thing, I think, um, in terms of in recruiting, because you're either going to want to love to play for that, or you're going to know immediately, this isn't my style. I don't have to waste my time right. here. Staff doesn't have to waste my time. And so I kind of bring that back into what Ben's trying to do with his whole, you fans have probably seen the hashtag, I think, uh, I think it's hashtag CTF, commit to family, where, they're trying to get the right guys that want to be here. Now, again, you obviously want talented guys and you have guys like that with Pharrell Payne and Jaden Henley. And, and obviously Dawson Garcia would be your headliner there. But I mean, they're trying to get guys that want to be here, that want to buy into, they know they were bad last year. They're well aware. But in this day and age of the transfer portal, they're obviously trying to kind of mitigate some of that where you're trying to build a program with high school guys like PJ is trying to do as well. But you know that if you can get a talented transfer in here, like a Dawson Garcia, who is the first mm -hmm. McDonald's All-American or when he steps foot on Williams Arena in November to play for Minnesota since I believe Chris Humphreys back in 2004. Like, yep. You want to try to balance this in the in the day and age of the portal because you can't – I don't think it's sustainable for a school like Minnesota, even on the basketball side of things, to have you know, 50, 60, 70% transfers. I mean, you mm -hmm. see some schools do that, but I just don't think it'll work here at a place like Minnesota. So you look at someone like Ben, and now that he's been here a couple of years, um, you know, it sounds like, and again, from talking with Ryan James, who is the all-knowing in Minnesota basketball recruiting, you know, they have legitimate shots at guys like Nolan Winter and Taysom Chapman. Like, and if you can get a couple of those guys who are juniors right now to hop on board, 
before they sign here in the fall. I mean, that I think it stresses a good thing about that program. For sure. Yeah, no, I love to hear it. And I bet you our listeners are just salivating at the thought of maybe those guys like Taysom Chapman joining the Gophers upcoming. Now, quick, before we jump into our last kind of topic and questions, I have to talk about our friends over at Bet Online. See, Bet Online is where you need to go for your sports and wagering information. And as Ryan and I had discussed earlier in the show, the new lines for odds for Big Ten in the conference and who's going to win are official. And you know what? If you're the type that thinks the Gophers are going to win this year or at least compete and have good odds at that, we're currently sitting at fifth in the Big Ten West and ninth in the Big Ten Conference at odds of 28 to 1. So before that number shifts, before people start getting wise and whatnot, if that is your thing, now would be the time. You can find all the information on those odds over at Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, to close the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the specifics and maybe more players in depth. So uh, one thing the fans kind of really wanted to know, and the first thing they asked was about this defense. And sure. we were a top 10 defense last year when you're looking at overall, and it was a great team team defense, team unit. We had strengths across the board. Now we did have a lot of departures as we saw some of them get drafted and a handful of them also signing UDFA deals or getting camp invites. And so what are your thoughts? How high are you on the defense remaining a top tier unit and what they'll bring to the team next year? Well, first I'll go back to your bet online where when we start to see more like team over under win totals come out where I've seen some early lines, I don't know if it was on bet online, but Minnesota at like six and a half wins, I would tell you to throw the mortgage at that and click the right. over. <laughs> uh, so I would tell you, I mean, last year I told folks to hit the over on seven and a half ended up obviously hitting, I don't pretend to be Nostradamus, but uh, as someone <laughs> who likes to think that they know more about this go for football team than probably 99% of the people on this planet, I right. would tell you that a part of the reason why I think that you should be optimistic about this team is the defense. And that's where you look at the defense last year. I think you and I would both agree their, their strengths were in the front seven with Boye mm -hmm. Mafe, Sezio Tamiwa, Niles Pinkney, Jack Gibbons. All those guys are obviously gone. And from watching four or five spring practices here, I think, and even from talking with Joe Rossi for 45 minutes, he and I both agree the the strengths of this defense now shift from the front seven to the back seven and specifically mm -hmm. the secondary because it took two guys from the transfer portal there and Beanie Bishop, a first team all-conference USA corner uh, from a group of five school, obviously, in Western Michigan. Ryan Stapp from Abilene Christian, now a school that's been very kind in Minnesota with what we saw Jack Gibbons do last year. And I would tell you, Stapp and Bishop really looked the part in the spring. And whether you talk to Joe Rossi, PJ Fleck, their position coaches, I think they all saw the same thing and that they hit on these kids. And these kids are going to be uh, counted on to play a lot. You also have pro football focus, true freshman All-American, Justin Wally there. You have probably the most experienced safety duo in the Big Ten with Jordan Howden coming back for his fourth year as the starter. Tyler Newbin took a big step forward last year. He's going to be his third year as a starter. And then maybe the X factor and the guy – that everybody loves to talk about most of spring, and I get it, is Flip Dixon, someone that's going to be a hybrid kind of player in Minnesota's defense. You'll see him line up at safety. You'll see him line up as a, a slot corner. You'll see him line up as a linebacker. 
Now you think to yourself, boy, slot corner. I watched a lot of uh, Chris Williamson or Justice Harris there at 5'9", 5'10". Well, Michael Dixon's about 6'2", 205. And yeah. he moves incredibly well. So he is someone that you can put back there at safety. And he will obviously get time there. That's his true position. But Minnesota knows they need to get him onto the field because he's one of their best players. And so that's where they were trying to move him around a lot uh, here in the spring to try and get his feet wet so he can start to understand that they want him to have a role. He's got to embrace that role, and I think he has this spring. But I think the secondary is going to be a lot of fun. And that's where I think you're going to see more man coverage from Minnesota's defense if you want to kind of get into the weeds with X's and O's because there isn't a Boye Mafe or, you know, someone like a Cezio Tamiwu and Niles Pinckney where those were your three guys that led the team in pressures last year. Well, to mitigate Mm -hmm. that, I think Joe Rossi knows he's got to send more stunts and more blitzes. And if you're going to be sending five, six guys – that means you're going to have to be on man coverage on the back end. And I think Minnesota, Minnesota uh, feels more comfortable with that because of guys like Stapp, Beanie Bishop, and Flip Dixon kind of taking a step forward here this spring. For sure. I mean, I'm curious generally too, straying a little bit from the questions that I kind of prepped you with beforehand, but I'll take all the any- curveballs. I'm ready. Let's do oh, it. Oh, there we go. That's what I love to hear. <laughs> Were there any true freshmen with that were standing out with your discussions with some of these coaches, or even just to you being at mm-hmm. some of the practices, being at that spring game, were there any true freshmen that seemingly stepped in and did better than expected and maybe could contribute early, or they at least look forward to the development from what they've seen? I think if you're going to mention a true freshman, you have to say Zach Evans. And that's where you know, you talk to Kenny Burns and he laughs now about it. But if if Zach Evans, the the true freshman running back who's now here, if he doesn't injure his knee in the later part of his junior season, I don't know that he's here. And I mean that. And I think he would have gotten uh, some kind of much better offer. But Minnesota's very happy he's here because obviously Kai Thomas is now at Kansas, Bucky Irving mm-hmm. now at Oregon. And then you have guys like Mo Ibrahim and Trayson Potts and Bryce Williams all coming off significant injuries that ended their seasons last year. And Zach Evans has been someone that has been getting a lot of talk and a lot of run, and he's very decisive. You saw the one-handed catch in the spring game. He's good out of the backfield. But it's funny when you talk to Kenny Burns about him, it's it's how mature he is and how he's you know the game isn't too fast for him. He comes from 6A Texas football, which is among the, the best high school football in the country. So – that shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if there's an injury or two in that backfield where we saw the angry running back God really not like Minnesota running backs last year. And I hope he's moved on to a different team for 22, but if Zach Evans name needs to get called on, I feel pretty confident that it's not going to be too big of a drop off there. And, and while these guys aren't necessarily true freshmen, they are going into their you know second years. I would, I would shout out two guys in the defensive line. One would be Devin Eastern from Shakopee, and the other one would be Jacob Schuster, who is a four-star from uh, Washington. I mean, Devin Eastern is gigantic. And it's so – and for a defensive tackle room that is going to be inexperienced without Micah Du Treadway, Niles Pinckney, among others there, I think Devin Eastern has really solidified himself as someone that's going to play as a redshirt freshman this fall. He's six foot five plus, he's 295 pounds, and he is incredibly strong. I mean, I watched him go against a potential Remington candidate and John Michael Schmitz for four or five practices, and, and Eastern won his fair share. He's very powerful. Uh, he's he's a good pass rusher. You saw that in the spring game as well. 
He's someone that when he gets that six foot five frame low and he keeps his pad levels low and he just presses you, I mean, it's he's still a teenager and he's pressing back 23 year old guys in the offensive line. It's tough not to get excited about him. And then the same kind of goes for Jacob Schuster, where he's only a second year player, didn't play much last fall. But there's no player that John Michael Schmitz, Minnesota's six-year center and that potential Remington candidate, hates to go against more than John or than Jacob Schuster. And that's a good thing. I want the elderly <laughs> offensive lineman to not like to go against somebody because it means he's getting challenged every day. So I think those two have both earned a role that you're going to see both of them play this, this upcoming fall. Awesome. Love to hear that. Great nuggets. I mean, I've been talking about Devin Eastern on this podcast just because I've watched him <laughs> in high school a little bit. And so sure. to hear that just gets me revved up and gets me excited to actually see him kind of work his way into some meaningful minutes early. So that'll be awesome to see. Now, before we wrap up the show, I have two more questions for you. One of them is a curveball and one of them I kind of prepped you on. And the curveball question is mm-hmm. watching the spring game especially in the second half, once you're getting kind of those starters and those key rotational players kind of off the field and you're seeing more of the depth pieces you have, was it at all concerning to you that our offensive line throughout that spring game gave up seven, I believe it was seven sacks, or I would have to pull my notes up again, but quite a few sacks in that second Mm -hmm. half of that uh, spring game. Do you think the depth that offensive line is something to be concerned about? I mean, depth, I mean, I've been talking about offensive line on Gopher Illustrator for some time. Like, I worry if there is a position I'm worried about, it's right tackle right now because the presumed starter was going to be J.J. Gaudet, and then he was he never practiced here this spring. Now, you've also got Quinn Carroll coming in from Notre Dame, but he wasn't here this spring. Is he quick enough to stay at tackle, or are they going to have to slide him into guard? Martez Lewis took all the first-team reps there at right tackle. That was his first kind of time at right tackle during his time at Minnesota. So there were a lot of moving parts. And I would tell you that the gap between the first offensive line, which is, you know, Ariante Ursary, the Michigan transfer, Chuck Filiaga, John Michael Schmitz, Axel Rushmeyer, and the name your right tackle. The difference between that group and the second offensive line group is, is significant. When you look mm-hmm. at that compared to on the defensive side of the ball, where from first to second team on the D line, I don't think it's that big of a difference. I think that's where you saw it show in the spring game. So am I worried about the depth there? Well, if they're getting down to, you know, their ninth and 10th offensive linemen in October, I will be. But Minnesota has been remarkably healthy. And that's where if they can just figure out right tackle, and whether that is J.J. Gaudet or Quinn Carroll, whoever it may be, you still have your starting offensive line on the interior, all 60-year guys. So you're talking about guys who are dang near old enough to rent a car, which is what I want in the West. <laughs> uh, nobody is higher on Ariante Ursary than P.J. Fleck, and it's fun to watch mm-hmm. him at left tackle there, and I think he'll be an upgrade from what we've seen kind of in recent years. But it's figuring out that right tackle spot. So I'm not incredibly worried about it. I think it was encouraging to see guys like Jacob Schuster and Devin Eastern and Austin Booker make plays. In that, uh, in that spring game. And again, maybe Austin Booker's a guy we should be talking about more because I think he's going to get some time here this fall on pass rushing downs. And you saw the ability and the, and the 6'6 length that he has there. And it's like, I can't wait to see Austin Booker, Devin Eastern, and Jacob Schuster in 2024. And again, I understand that's two, three years away, but that's two more and three more years in the weight room for them. Two more years to get experience. And that's where I think Minnesota's actually done a pretty good job of building in the trenches. 
Right. And I mean, that should be encouraging for Gopher fans to hear is that you're excited about the outlook of 2024. I mean, we're currently excited <laughs> about this year and that we can compete, sure. but the fact that it hopefully shouldn't drop off and that we can continue to be competitive, that's just, that gets me going and that should get us all excited. Now, the final question that I have for you is mm -hmm. just quickly one player on each side of the ball that you believe the coaching staff seem to be expecting big things from this upcoming season. Oh boy. I will do, here's what I'll do. I'll do four total. I'll do two on each side of the ball. I'll do the low hanging fruit and then I'll kind of make a kind of projection based one. How's that? So love it. I think, love it. I think that there's a lot of expectations still from Mo Ibrahim. Now, again, everyone knows he's a really good player. I know he's a great player. You know, he's a great player. 2020 big 10 running back of the year, three quarters of the Ohio state game. He's just destroying them. Then he pops his Achilles. And, mm. and I, I mean, I've said it on Twitter. I've said it on go for illustrated, wherever you've listened to read me, you know, the running back injury that you don't want to have happen is the Achilles and the track record for guys with that hasn't been great, but that's where being able to watch Mo Ibrahim this spring, he's running around. Now he didn't take contact with, I don't need Mo, Con to, Mo Ibrahim to take contact in a practice anyway because I know what mm. Mo Ibrahim can do. But it was just encouraging to watch him kind of run around. And I think expectations for him should be, I hope that there is never a time in his collegiate career anymore where he gets 30 carries in a game. I think Minnesota's got enough talented guys behind him where they don't need that. But I think he gets 20, 25 touches a game for 13 games. And I think he's still a pretty dang good player. And from what I've heard internally, from what I saw with my own two eyes, they're expecting pretty big things from him. And then I feel like I talk about him now. This will be the fourth year. And people are probably tired of hearing about it. But if yeah. for the love of all that's holy, if this isn't the year for Brevin Spanford, I'm just, it'll, you know, I've so firmly planted myself on that island that I can't even get out for the price of real estate for what Brevin Spanford's island looks like now. And I'm I'm right there with you, man. I <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean, I have a little bit more bias on that side because his dad is my godfather. Small world, but wow. I mean, I'm right there with you. And so, continue, please. This is music to my ears. Well, it's just from talking with Kirk Shirak, the offensive coordinator, even his position coach, Greg Harbo. The light finally consistently came on for four weeks this spring. And that's what they needed to see where there isn't a reason in the world. You can plausibly tell me where Brevin Spanford shouldn't catch 40 balls this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's three balls a game for 13 games. And he's a mismatch. He's someone that is incredibly athletic. We saw it in the games against Indiana where he hurls a guy down the sidelines. You saw it against Wisconsin with some huge catches there to help Minnesota seal that victory. It's just about consistency with Brevin Spanford. And I know I've been probably two, three years too early, and I've been banging that drum for too long where nobody's listening anymore. But don't be shocked at all if Brevin Spanford catches 40 balls this year. Now, if we switch to the defensive side of the ball, I think I would tell you Thomas Rush is someone that I don't understand why people don't think that he's very good. Now, Thomas Rush has had a heck of a last couple of years where he gets switched from linebacker to rush end during the COVID season. And he gets three spring practices there and then everything gets shut down. No spring workouts, no summer workouts. And then the three weeks of fall camp, he, you know, from interviewing him this spring, turns out he got COVID 
So he missed two of the three weeks, comes back two days before the first game against Michigan, and he goes, yeah, then I get thrown out there, and I'm going against NFL guys, and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so understandably, he doesn't play well. And then last year, is second on the team in sacks, second on the team in tackles for loss, much better against the run uh, than Boye Mafe was. And I think expectations for him is that he should lead the team in sacks. He should lead the team in pressures. And this is also a kid who also hasn't had it easy in the last six months. Just a week after the Wisconsin win last year, his dad passed away unexpectedly. And he has obviously been grieving with that. And I mean, it's it's been a tough time for Thomas Rush, but he has been leading that room uh, incredibly well. I think he's someone that fans need to you know, be more comfortable and familiar with because Thomas Rush is going to play a lot for them. And then, I mean, I want to take the the shiny object in the room for the last one. And that's where I think Michael Flip Dixon is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I could tell you Ryan Stapp and Beanie Bishop, but I think those are more low hanging fruits. I think Flip Dixon, the way that they use him is that Rover where again, safety nickel to, mm-hmm. you know, de facto linebacker at times, that's where you're going to be able to see Joe Rossi get creative is what do they want to do with Flip Dixon? So I'm all aboard the Thomas Rush and the Flip Dixon train here for 22. That's awesome. And I appreciate all of the insight. I know that fans are going to absolutely love this show. And I just want to thank you once again for joining us today. I truly appreciate that. And I, we're going to have to have you back on. I'm expect another request <laughs> by my point. But absolutely. let the people know once again where they can find your work and anything you have coming up. Yeah. I mean, if you like listening to my face for radio here or after you've been able to see my face for radio here, uh, you can check me out on Go For Good Iron Radio. Uh, we also do, obviously, a podcast with the Star Tribune's Chip Scoggins and K-Fans Justin Gard called Parent and Spare. It's more kind of Big Ten and college football based. If you just want to hear some guys kind of going around a roundtable of what we think, uh, you can check out my work on Go For Illustrated. I am on there constantly right now. All the coaches are on the road recruiting. So I'm in there and talking about who's setting up official visits, who's not, because like I said earlier, in the next six weeks, it's going to be very, very, very busy. And that's where to join Gopher Illustrated, it's just $1 for 30 days. It really helps a, uh, you know, a journalist get by, especially for someone who's trying to pay for a wedding at the end of the year. So we, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. So gopherillustrated.com if you want to read me. And if you want to listen to more, you can put into your Apple Podcasts or Spotify put in gophers and I think go for gridiron radio will pop up right away. Or if you want to listen to pair in the spare, that'd be awesome too. There it is. Be sure to check those out. And again, it's only a dollar a day for 30 days. So what, what else can you get for a steal like that? So go over and make sure you're checking out gopher illustrated, check out those podcasts as well. And that's going to do it for us here. Have a good one. This is Kane Rob signing off. Peace out.